Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Tim Cook to our show. Dr. Cook is the president of Clackamas Community College in Oregon City, Oregon. Hi, Tim. Happy to have you on the show today. Thanks, Dave. Happy to be here. So can you tell me about Clackamas and why students select your college? Sure. So Clackamas is uh, Clackamas County, actually, and it's a uh, the county just directly below Portland, Oregon, for those who haven't been out in that area of the woods. And so we're a comprehensive community college serving about 25,000 students, um, real focus on uh, career and technical education, but we offer the gamut there for, for community colleges. I would say students select us um, because they like the face-to-face -face, uh, small uh, classes. They, we get about 20% of um, high school students that, that take classes there. And so they like the ability to get some college credit while they're there as well. And then we're known for our workforce programs. So we get a lot of people coming through for, for career and technical education there and work with a lot of businesses and other people in the area too. So on your workforce, is that uh, mostly certificates or are they getting degrees uh, in uh, trades and industry or? Yeah, we, so we have certificates, typically, you know, six month or one year certificates, a lot of two year associate degrees. Um, Oregon, just this last session, uh, gave us uh, approval to start offering applied baccalaureate degrees. We don't, we haven't, don't have any yet, but that's uh, something we'll probably be looking at in the future and seeing, you know, where we, where we need to expand or where we need to grow there. You know, uh, I was at DNA at a two-year college and I would just go crazy if somebody told me I could give bachelor's degrees. So I'm, I'm impressed with how calm you are about that announcement. Well, my, I actually started three of them at my previous institution when I was uh, vice president of instruction. So it, I've been through that, uh, been through that gamut a little bit before, and they're, they're pretty amazing when you can, you need to do them right and get them set up. They're a great opportunity for students, particularly placebound students. So, so can you, do you already have an idea of what those bachelor programs would be? No, we have, we just literally started that conversation. So, you know, there, like a lot of places, there's a need for teacher ed. Mm -hmm. So there's a possibility for that, but you know, that we have to be careful that we're not duplicating any four-year um, programs at schools. So I see some opportunities with our advanced manufacturing center, maybe mm -hmm. to look at that and in some of those areas, but we, we have to have a talk with the faculty and see kind of where, where the biggest need is and where the interest is. I, I would say we're probably at least a couple years out from, from yeah. doing that. But I know some of my colleagues are looking at nursing and looking at education, some of these other, other needs, particularly in rural places. We're not, we're kind of a combination of, uh, we're more suburban and, and have some rural in our district, but, but uh, not like the rural colleges that really have a need for a nursing, you know, a four-year nursing program or some more education, uh, you know, four-year education program. Yeah, you know, for us here in Montana, that, you know, our, our two-year education came out of Votex, you know, back in mm. the 90s. And they either became standalone colleges or they became um, embedded colleges with the universities. And so the, so the bachelor program is always something interesting, but it's just like you pointed out, everybody's paying attention if you're going to step on a four-year degree at another university. So if it's all right with you, Tim, I might bug you in a couple of years to see how that's going because <laughs> I'm very interested in see how that plays out. 
Absolutely. I, I, I'm a big fan. I think, uh, I think when done right, they're really, they benefit everybody and they, there's no need for competition. I think there's enough to go around. So that that's, was never my concern either. Yeah. So what's new at your campus then for 2021, 2022, what kind of programs or services, or have you done anything at the, at the facilities that yeah. might be going up? There's actually quite a bit that's coming up. That's, that's new. So I'll start kind of with programs. Um, we, uh, speaking of teacher ed, we're, our district has a, a rather large um, Latinx population. And so we've been working on um, teacher ed program for uh, pre-K, you know, for, uh, program in Spanish and, uh, and have just started that off now. And so we're offering all those classes in Spanish, which means one of the exciting things is actually for the first time, we're offering some math classes entirely in Spanish too. And uh, along with you know some of our traditional uh, ESL classes and the rest really respond to that. So that's been a been a great oh. uh, start for that. We got a grant um, from the state to do that. And then on the other end of that, or a, a different kind of side of that, we're doing teacher ed for career technical education faculty. As you know from your background, you know a welding teacher doesn't necessarily have a background in education. And so we've right. developed a uh, a concentration now where we can hire instructors that have some sort of a you know career and technical background and teach them the the education aspects of them and they can get a, a degree in that as well. So we're wow. rolling that out statewide. That's the first one in Oregon that uh, actually the only one in Oregon right now that's doing that. Wow, that's so exciting. That's, that, yeah, I think and it you know really of course improves in the the experience, the learning experience for students and, and for everybody. So that's pretty great. Um, we've got a, a, a automotive program that we just did a big remodel on. We've been to help talk about facilities here in a second, but, and we just got a nice grant from our local uh, General Electric, Portland General Electric, to uh, do a bunch of um, electric, uh, electric vehicle uh, education and develop curriculum around that. So I was just, I got to go with one of our faculty last week and pick up a new uh, Chevrolet Bolt and, and we're getting some other cars and then putting in some more uh, charging stations on the campus, but, but looking at that, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, actually, overall, facilities-wise, we're finishing up a um, what ended up being about $130 million bond with uh, matching funds and everything from the state that started in 2014. So I've only been at Clackamas since 2018, so I get to benefit from, from all this work. And we built several new buildings, uh, the Health Sciences Building, Industrial Technology Building, double the size of our science building, and then, okay. of course, of added a bunch of other things. The big exciting one right now is we're just finishing up our welcome center. And it's, you know, the campus right now, if you were to go there, pretty difficult to tell where to start. Um, like some colleges, you know, there's a big loop around it. It's like, where do I, where do I begin? So this building is designed to be the front door of the college. And so it, uh, one of the advantages of COVID is because there's very few people on campus, we've been out of their way and the construction's gone really fast. It's been <laughs> yeah. under budget. I mean, it's, it's one of those projects that's, that's worked out really well. And then from a Clackamas County perspective, we worked with the tribe, um, the Clackamas tribe and the uh, local here, the, the Grand Ronde um, uh, tribes to name it after the uh, a Clackamas a tribal leader named Wachino, um, John Wachino. So we're going to call it the Wachino Welcome Center. That's going to open right. up here in a couple months. So we're pretty excited about that. And then the, the, the real exciting news, last week we got our biggest um, donation ever to the college. We got a $5 million donation <laughs> for career and technical education from a couple wow. that grew up grew up in our county, you know, and, and met. Um, they went to different high schools, but met and 
did really well for themselves and now uh, want to support career and technical education at the college. So, you know, lots of even even being at home and, you know, kind of working on Zoom and all the rest, still lots of exciting things happening with the college. Yeah, that, that is that's that's really cool. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about you, uh, if you don't mind. I, you know, as I'm sitting here looking at you, you mentioned that you started there in 2018. So can you talk a little bit about yourself and how you became the president of Clackamas Community College? I can. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to tell people that I am president of the college that is 4.7 miles from where I grew up. My folks still live 4.7 miles from the college. I, I uh, grew up in Oregon City where the, where the campus is. Um, I'm a first-generation college student, so I, I would have never even dreamt of coming and someday being the, the president of this college. My memories of the college were I ran uh, high school cross-country around it. I learned to drive in the parking lot around it, and I took some, you know, some non-credit summer classes when I was a kid, you know, summer camps and stuff, but I never, never went here. And, uh, you know, I went off to college thinking I'd be a, you know, a high school teacher or, or some sort of a, some sort of a teacher because I really liked, liked learning and I, I wanted to educate. And it was through mentors at my undergrad in student services primarily that said, hey, have you ever thought about doing this for a career and really helping others, you know, get, get a college education? Because I just, you know, again, as first gen, it was just such a... Um, such a learning experience for me and such an impact for me to have mentors and have people that help me help me through that. So my goal when I left undergrad and I did that here in Oregon, I did actually all um, undergrad through uh, my doctorate here at Oregon schools, different Oregon schools. But my goal was to um, someday be the Dean of students and just help, help people kind of process that through. And, you know, and I got to do that then after I ended up, you know, kind of working through some, some different colleges and some different places realized that community college was really where my passion was, where I thought I could make the most difference. And I got to be a dean of students about 15 years ago. Mm. And I had to, I had this kind of moment where I said, wow, what, what, what more can I do? And where, you know, what other options are there? And, and uh, just at that time had the um, opportunity to kind of think maybe someday I'd like to be a president. When uh, this college, when Clackamas's position opened up, um, it was, you know, long about the same time I started really thinking about it, really looking around. And I remember, remember saying, boy, I, I've got to throw my hat in the ring for that. I mean, what, what, what a great deal to be able to come back home to my hometown and be able to, uh, to lead the college there in that place. So I was thrilled. I mean, it was the first place I'd ever applied and I was just thrilled <laughs> that it all worked out. And I, I still kind of pinch myself that I'm like, well, here I am. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, the fun part about it is literally, I, I kid you not, probably every week I run into somebody that either I went to school with or is related to somebody I went to school with or knows me from. <laughs> so it's that, that of course is a, you know, sometimes that's really nice. And sometimes that's kind of odd. I mean, my fourth grade teacher, you know, like loves to talk about, you know, what, what a bad student I was in fourth grade because <laughs> he's still here in town. So it's, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a neat story. And um, it's a, certainly a great, great uh, opportunity for me to, to, you know, leave this college here in my hometown. Yeah. I would assume with having that type of um, connection with the community too, that must help on on trying to bring in the community to do things, partnerships with you. Does that help build relationships down the road? It it helps cut through a lot. I mean, there's um, you know there's that idea too that uh, people either know me or they know I'm from here, and so there's there's a trust that's I think a lot quicker. Or because um, I already have a number of relationships or have had relationships with others. 
it just makes those things easier. That that five million dollar donation. One of the funny side stories of that is, I met those uh, that couple um, early on in my presidency. We were you know we were just starting out that you know these things take a long time. We were starting out the discussions, and they were scholarship donors, and we were talking. And it turns out that I'd um, run high school track with their nephew, <laughs> and so you know we had this kind of kind of weird. Uh, conversation about you know who knows who and, and all the rest and so you know that has to help right it, yeah. it, th- that type of a that type of an experience just knowing people so yeah okay <laughs> well my next question is kind of a, a goofy one but i i need to ask you that and that's basically how you doing right now i mean yeah now what's it what's it like being a community college president in 2021 like compared to when you first started in 2018 as a president there yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's rough. It uh, it's been a challenge um, this past year r- running this, and I know it's not just me. I talk to you know I have a lot of colleagues, and fortunately, uh, a, a group of other presidents that we get together and talk and just commiserate through all this. I don't think anyone's um, I wouldn't say anyone's really excelling during this time. I think it's a challenge for all of us, but I. My strength, and I, I know this really well about myself, I, I've got a background in, in counseling and mm-hmm. I, you know, I was a director of counseling for a while at college and I, I'm really relational. And so when I'm on campus uh, face-to-face, I, I'm not in my office. I walk around, I, I listen, I talk to a lot of people. I'm com- habitually late for meetings because I get stopped you know, <laughs> everywhere. And, and, I, and I like that, I like that really well. So on, you know, on Zoom all day, it's pretty transactional and it's to some extent pretty formal, you know, so, you know, you have this meeting that starts in an hour and you've got maybe a couple people in it or a couple hundred people in it and you're there to give information and, and it's harder to, you know, have a, have a regular conversation like we're doing now, but it's uh, you know, you miss, you miss cues. And when there's a whole bunch of those squares on your, you know, on your screen, it makes it even that much more challenging. So I've, you know, I've tried to manage that. I've, I've started doing some smaller group meetings every week and just inviting people to come and have conversation, which is uh, kind of a, you know, my way to do this uh, virtually. I've started dropping in. I've been asked um, faculty to invite me just to drop in on classes where I can come and talk to students. Um, last summer, you know, one of my, one of the things I really miss was just seeing students. So, so last summer, I asked our student services just to set up a bunch of um, one-hour meetings with different students, so so that I could kind of ask how they were doing and get it and get a sense of that. And I tell you, it was one of my favorite favorite things I did this past year was just sitting down, finding out how they were doing and how that was going. So it's been it's been a challenge. Um, you know, I, you, we miss all those kind of hallway conversations, the you know the conversations that start on the way into a meeting or after a meeting. Uh, I can't just um, drop by someone's office. If I send an email saying, Hey, do you have five minutes to talk? Somebody thinks they're in trouble. So, you know, I have to always kind of think about how do I, how do I have these, uh, these conversations that really, really relate to people that way. So, and, you know, and, and, and people are stressed people, you know, people are having a a rough go of it, trying to, trying to manage all the the chaos in their houses and trying to teach or trying to learn and and the rest. And so there's just, you know, all around, I think it's, it's difficult for, for people. It has been difficult. Well, that, that kind of leads me into one of my questions since you, since you mentioned that is, you know, today a lot of colleges are focusing their attention on the mental health of students. So what are campuses doing to tackle this problem? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've seen some of those stats where, you know, anywhere from upwards of 40%, 50% of students, you know, dealing with some sort of a mental health issue. And again, as I said, my, my background 
in counseling, um, I've really been attuned to that. You know, I would I directed a counseling center for almost 14 years and and did uh, counseling, college counseling all that time. And it was it's not a surprise to me, you know, that that this is happening and for students, for staff and the rest that there's all these mental health issues. So we like a lot of places um, ramped up our, our hours. You know, we we hired some more um, face to face counselors that are available, you know, mm-hmm. via Zoom or via phone or however, however you want to do that. We also contracted with a service that, you know, you can uh, call into and, and, and talk to. And I, I see I see those things as being really important. I see um, the need as we kind of come out of this to really find different ways to ramp up staff, uh, counseling staff, to, and to integrate that more into uh, the everyday life of the student. You know, we talk about wraparound services a lot nowadays at colleges and how do we, you know, help a student, not just academically, but, you know, with their financial aid, with their, you know, mm-hmm. with their counseling, with, with all the rest of that. I just, um, I think I, one of the happy things of, of I've noticed not just it was pre-COVID, but there's much less of a stigma around, you know, uh, mental health and, and talking about these now. So that where we can integrate services in different programs and in classes and on campus where people know that I think it's just is just really important. But, it, you know, it's a resource allocation. It requires us to really look at that and say, where can we, you know, find more money to to provide these uh, opportunities and for students. And so. I think wow. that continues. We we've had success. We've got you know we get interns from you know one of the local um, colleges, or, you know, master's levels intern coming through there too. So we can we can stretch a bit to the extent that we're getting other people coming in and helping. Well, uh, let me go a little bit farther on this question. What about the mental <laughs> health of faculty? Uh, yeah. What's being done for the? I mean, if I was if I was wearing a faculty hat right now, I, I know everybody's very concerned about students, but man, did it, yep. I was watching a lot of faculty struggle really hard this past year. So, no, and I think that is a, a tougher nut to crack. To be quite frank, um, you know, we've got uh, EAP like a lot of places do, where we can you know refer people on to and and you know people can use insurance and the rest to get that. But but faculty staff are tremendously stressed and exhausted and, and tired and the rest. And so, you know, finding ways that uh, what the conversations we've been having, finding ways that we kind of reduce trauma, reduce stress and, you know, and help uh, faculty and staff feel, um, uh, feel less stressed, I guess, and work on that. And just some of it's acknowledging, some of it's trying to, we, we talk about an ethic of care at Clackamas, trying to find ways that we can look and see what we're doing in our, you know, our day-to-day work or trying, trying to limit that. I would say being quite frank, um, we've got too many initiatives going on in addition to all this. And that just causes that much more stress. You know, (laughs) I mean, probably a lot of places can say that, but I, you know, trying to acknowledge that, trying to really look then say, where do we need to focus? Where do we need to pull back? And, you know, what, what, do we need to stop doing? What can we um, legitimately pull off the table to help people do what they need to do and take care of themselves? Uh, it has been a, been a challenge. And again, you know, in the pandemic, you can't just kind of say, hey, let's let's get together. Let's, uh, you know, have lunch. Let's, you know, kind of right. do some fun stuff. But we're, we're working on it. I've been I've been pleased. I, you know, we had a we usually do a big um, couple weeks ago every in the into winter quarter. We usually do a big staff appreciation breakfast. 
And so, you know, they, they did that course virtually. And I was like, really a virtual breakfast? How, how fun is that going to be? But we, we brought in a chef um, who was, you know, who led a cooking demonstration and he was oh. hilarious and just did this really great job. And then we, you know, we had some um, uh, theater performances, virtual theater performances from our, our students and the rest. It ended up being, I mean, we got really great feedback. We've had a few different virtual events like that, that you wouldn't think would be as, as much fun, but my, my experience with staff, a lot of these um, meetings we're having now uh, with, uh, with the staff where you wouldn't see people, a couple hundred people there, they're coming because they want to see their colleagues and missing yeah. their friends. And so that, that part of it, trying to find ways where they can, they can do that too, has been really, really helpful. But it, I, it's, it's a challenge it, and it's something that you just have to, to say, this is, this is difficult. We need to intentionally look at ways to reduce stress for faculty and staff. Uh, a virtual breakfast. I would have never thought of that. What a neat idea. It was fun. Uh, you know, I, and then they asked me to, um, to go to, to have my camera on and, and be cooking along with the chef. So of course he's kind of giving me a bad time and I'm like, you know, he's moving fast. I can't keep up. And, you know, I'm like trying not to set the house on fire. And all so it was, it was fun. That's a great idea. Um, <clears throat> since, since you start, let me see, it was 2018 when you became the president. And what were you before as the president? You were? I was Before I was president, I was vice president of instruction at a college um, in Washington State, just it, you know, about 30 minutes away, not, not far away. Okay. And, I'd been, and I'd been there, actually, I didn't give you that whole deal. I'd been there for about 20 years. I kind of worked right. my way up from a faculty to, to a VP. So then let me ask you a kind of a global question, and, and that is, what's been some of the biggest lessons you've learned as an academic leader? And then, of course, watching you, how you transition from faculty to administration, do you have any advice uh, to uh, faculty who's wanting to make that leap, who's wanting to transition to administration? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I'm a good person to talk to in that way because, it, again, it wasn't really my career path when I started out. I mean, I really thought I'd won the lottery when I got hired as a faculty member um, right out of grad school. And my, you know, my advice now, and I, I do get the opportunity to mentor now, which I, I really um, value that opportunity to mentor others and work with others, is to let people know, let administrators know that this is something that you're interested in and maybe trying out more and you want, you know, you want more opportunities to do that. So what, what happened for me, um, you know, I've been a department head and, and kind of a division head for a while and was, you know, thought that that was okay, was enjoying that kind of work. And um, I remember I got a phone call kind of early on. I still to this day think all I had agreed to was to do the accreditation work for the student affairs part of the house. But when I went to the meeting, found out I was leading the whole accreditation for the college. <laughs> so I think I got duped in there somewhere. But, uh, but also, you know, kind of my advice to people is, you know, say yes. I mean, if you think you, think you have the capacity and you think you can do it, even if it's a stretch, because I really at the time didn't think I was qualified to do that. But I said, with support, with help, I think I can figure this out. As a faculty member, that experience alone gave me exposure to all areas of the college. And I got to talk to different people. I got to, got to have different experiences there. Um, so that, that's something I always encourage people to do is like, you know, let people know that you're interested in, in doing something different or, or stretching out and seeing, seeing where there are other opportunities at the college. I, you know, I stayed at, at the, that college for 21 years because every time I thought about looking somewhere else, there was a new, something new to do. Some, there was a new challenge or something new to explore. Um, I became VP, frankly, because the, 
the person who was VP had come to my office asking me for a reference. He was applying to be a president. And I said, well, I'll be a reference for you if you'll be one for me, because I'm starting to think about the next, my next step. And he turned around and went and told the president of the college that he goes, you need to have Tim be the, um, the interim VP. And so that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have said, hey, I'm just kind of thinking about this, sure. this sort of thing. And so that, that I think is, is important for, um, for faculty and for, for anyone aspiring is just to, you know, to, to get that global kind of perspective and say, where can I, where can I um, challenge myself? Where can I grow and, and learn there? You mentioned uh, uh, <clears throat> mentorship too. So I'm kind of interested in that is, do you, do you have formal or informal mentoring programs right now at your on campus? Yeah, we don't have any formal ones. We've been talking with our um, faculty about uh, and, we, and some negotiations and bargaining around setting up formal ment mentorship programs. And our part-time faculty are really keen on this. They're really interested in setting up opportunities to, to be mentored. And, and so we're working on, on those pieces. But uh, I would say um, there's quite a bit of informal mentoring going on. Uh, there at the college that, that I think is, is healthy. I really, I, I'm not kidding when I say, I think it's probably one of the more important things that I do. I wouldn't be where I'm at if not for people doing that for me. My, the, one of the very first administrators I ever met when I was, um, and actually still in high school before I went to college, she was the admissions director and come to my high school to recruit me, ended up being a mentor of mine for 30 some years. And I, I'm just probably loyal that way, but, but uh, she ended up being on my doctoral committee later. And so you know, and there's, there was her and there's others. And so in my mind now, I, I just see that as, as really valuable in helping the next, next generations and helping people get to where they need to be. And so many times there's, um, somebody may aspire to, to your question about how do you, you know, how do you get into administration? Somebody may aspire, but they may never have the guts to, to say anything about it, but you go tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, have you ever thought about this? And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he gives them that opportunity. And I think that's, so it's kind of a two-way street, you know, putting your hand up that you're interested in ball. So I, I try to look for people that, that I think would be, and would make great leaders and, um, and put, put a hand on their shoulder <laughs> virtually nowadays and say, have you thought about, have you thought I about see. this? So, so, so you recommend that to them to, to look at other opportunities, but also is there, um, do you, do you give them like maybe assignments or is this just sitting around having a cup of coffee or? All of it. Yeah. And, and it, I, I think it, I think it depends on the person, you know, I think, yeah. it, I think it depends on what people need. So my, one of the things I do, and I've, I've read some books on it in the past and thought about this is when I, when I, so when I'm approached about it, I often will say, you know, let's, let's sit down and, and talk about this in terms of like a, like a, an agreement or a relationship about what, you know, what you would like the outcomes to be and what, oh. you know, what you expect from me. And so we're, I think we're really clear early on and, you know, and there are those ones that are just, hey, let's get a get a cup of coffee every now and then and kind of talk about issues and bring that up. And there are other ones where it's like, let's meet regularly and really work on, you know, you're, you've got a gap here. Let's let's figure out how you can close that gap and work work on that. So, um, you know, I've got uh, a couple of people I'm mentoring um, on the uh, Midwest or East Coast that we get together. And again, another advantage of Zoom, right? We can get together and talk regularly and say, you know, how's this going? What, what happened here and, and the rest. And then, and I've got people at the college who, um, or, or, or I, I should say some, some were at the college cause I've helped them mentor on and get, get other positions at other colleges now where we, you know, we just do a kind of a check-in and, mm. 
you know, it might just be a, a text here or there, and it might be a, you know, let's let's set up a meeting with this issue. But oh, neat. Mm. Um, well, let me change topics here real fast. I want no. to talk about admission. So, how I know people, well, a lot of my friends talk about how everything's mm. going to evolve into these this new higher education process. So, how do you how do you see um, the future of admissions evolving over the next few years? Mm. Yeah, I think um, when I think about admissions or enrollment and, and the rest, I think like a lot of things, uh, you know, everyone's getting more savvy um, with uh, with data and with how, you know, how we're looking and how we're, we're really with the information that we have. You know, it used to I think it used to be, you know, you open the doors and and uh, you let people come in and you don't really worry so much about how they do. And now. You know, there's competition everywhere. I mean, with online, and I mean, you can't you can't find any more example of that than during COVID. Everybody's online, so you know you have to think about why do people want to come to your college? What you know, what makes us different? And then, in, in, from our end, you know, how are we targeting? How are we working um, in admissions? And first of all, making the process easier. But the the way I always phrase it with staff is. Who, who is not coming to our college? You know, who are we missing and why? And, you know, is that because they're, you know, they don't see themselves there and that's a, you know, that's a certain um, uh, way that we go about that to help, you know, helping them with that is, is it because they, uh, you know, they're going somewhere else and, and maybe, you know, don't understand what, what we have to offer, you know, what, what are the reasons? And so looking, looking at that and targeting closer that way. And so it's, it's some, it's in a real simple way. I think it's about disaggregating that data and looking looking at populations and figuring out um, what what would it take for them to come here. An example I have, I looked at from early on. I looked at our data for uh, what I would describe as working adults, 30, 40 years old, and we in, in our county had one of the highest rates of um, uh, lack of degree attainment in that in that population. So just a large group of of working adults that don't have any kind of a degree. And I said, boy, that's a really untapped market. If, you know, if we can help them, you know, they're, they're likely have families, they're likely working full time. And our systems at, at that time were really set up and to some extent still are from, for, for eight to five. You yeah. know? And so, so they weren't able to come, they weren't able to get help. And then, and then the classes weren't always convenient. As we've talked about that and COVID's accelerated it, and we've looked at and saying, how can we offer programs now that really, really respond to that? So it's, I think that's part of it. Probably any president will tell you in their community, they need to know, you know, sort of what their community is made of and where, you know, where those gaps are. But, you know, we all are um, doing quite a bit more work because there's just more competition there. And, you know, it's not enough just to open your doors and say, hey, we've got this shiny college. Come on and check us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk another, let me have, I have another future question. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you think the community colleges will look like in the post-COVID world. You know, we, that's one of the most interesting topics for me to think about nowadays. And I, in our colleges, I've uh, been having that conversation and I've certainly been having that college conversation with the leadership team there. Uh, I think, um, I think for us, and I think for, probably others as well there as we think about post-COVID I mean the, the, the obvious ones are do we really need to um, do we really need to be on campus to do our jobs and I think you know there are you know, we used to say I remember I used to say this it's like well 
you know, we can't offer all of this online. It's, you know, it's just going to be impossible to do some of this work from, from online. Well, you know, in 10 days, we shifted everything, classes, services, everything online. So, so that argument is so, <laughs> so last year and beyond. Um, so now as we come back, it's, it's this question of, okay, what parts of our, our work uh, should be face-to-face, -face. you know, where's the real value in, um, in what we do in brick and mortar and being face-to-face. -face. So it, you know, I, I've been thinking, using this phrase recently that, that we're not going to come back a hundred percent. People aren't going to come back a hundred percent of the time, but people are also aren't going to stay home a hundred percent of the time. So somewhere in between there, we're going to get this sort of flexible schedules. We're going to figure out ways for people to, um, to be able to work from home and to be able to, to uh, work at the college and I think it's um, I think it's intriguing because it'll it'll allow us to look at our buildings differently, our spaces differently. I we have a great example with some of our programs because we're it was so unpredictable about when we're going to get you know shut down and not be able to offer face to faces last year that uh, people were looking at curriculum, faculty were looking at their curriculum and saying, you know this this theory piece here I can do completely online. And then I can condense this face-to-face, -face, this lab part of it, and we can do this over a few days or over a week. And so that you know they're kind of almost setting up modules or different different ways to to pull apart their classes. And and I've encouraged them to to think about that as we go back and say you know don't don't just think about it you know normal 10, 10 week quarter. Think about again how you how you're offering this education and. Is it beneficial to do it online? Is it beneficial to do it face-to-face? -face? Is it beneficial to do some sort of a combination thereof? So all of those pieces uh, are important. The other part, and I, I don't know if, I, I honestly don't know if this is just a Clackamas thing or a, you know, something that, that I'm really focused on or if it's gonna be important for others. I think it's gonna be important for others based on what I'm seeing. We're being much more intentional uh, involved in the community. And and what, what I mean by that is we're, in, in conversation with a, a free health clinic that needed needed um, space to uh, to to get housed on our campus because many of our uh, students can benefit from that either from getting health care services to our health sciences students actually doing some of their um, practicum time in this clinic and so that's kind of a win-win all around um, reason why I think this is probably a trend other places because I've seen some of the some examples now we're not looking to put dorms on our campus, but we're looking at um, low-income housing mm. and potentially some sort of uh, workforce or low-income housing that would um, likely benefit, you know, our students or maybe the community itself. Uh, in our area, it's uh, housing is very expensive and very hard to come by. We have some land, and so you know, we probably would be in the business of building, you know, housing, but we can partner in, lo in looking at that way. Um, we have a, a gerontology program, and as the population ages, I see opportunity for us to do more, uh, more intentional work around actually uh, having um, elderly on our campus. You know, so I I have this vision of we've got you know we've got childcare, you know, so we've got three year olds all the way up to you know ninety year olds on our campus for for a variety of things, you know, kind of birth to death almost in a way. But I think you know in a, in a in a future world, I just see us. My vision would be that the community itself, our county looks at us not just as the higher ed institution, but really the community convener, and that we're the place where, where a lot of different different things happen, you know, that you can come come to and get that. So, yeah, you, you, you got a lot of cool things happening on your campus, that's for sure. <laughs> we have a lot. <laughs>
So, so here's a, then here's a fun question. Let's, let's say <laughs> you, you have some extra budget money. Here it is. It's all yours. Mm. What, what would, what would happen? What would you build? What would you provide? What would you do with that? Boy, that is a fun one. Um, if we had some extra money right now, I would be looking at, we've been talking about how we can reduce costs for students, you know, in a much more intentional way. So that's open education resources and working on some of those pieces, just getting, getting those costs down. So that'd be some staff costs to, to do that. Um, yeah, I would definitely, if we had the money, I'd be looking at, um, you know, their, uh, Tiny houses have been a big deal in Portland forever. I would, you know, I think, and we, we've done a little bit of this, but I would see us starting something where we could, you know, we could be building those and we could be setting up some opportunities for people to be, to be living there. Homelessness is such an issue um, nationwide, but oh, it's, a, sure. it's, it's a big issue in, uh, in Portland and in that area. And I think if we could impact that in some way, if we had some extra money to, you know, th- that we could do some education around that and, and teach people around that, I think would be pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a fun idea too. Yeah, yeah, no, tangible. I think it's a yeah, it's a tangible fun yeah. idea. Yeah, I, I I didn't think of that. That's a that's you know I I like the idea of trying to reduce costs too because that's going to be down the road. I won't ask you that question today, but that's another big topic. It seems to be hitting this. How do we reduce the the well, cost we, of higher ed? We talk a lot about tuition, and I was talking to the board about it this past month at our board meeting because they were you know setting tuition for next year. And we spent a whole bunch of time talking about tuition. I said, you know, there's really so many other costs that students have, you know, around just materials and, and textbooks and all the rest. That I'd, I'd much rather do something more systemic. And, you know, and yes, look at tuition, but look at look at all the costs about what, you know, what the challenges students are having. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so here's my last question. Mm-hmm. Have you had any surprises at all over the past six months that actually ended up in a positive note? Yeah, Yeah, I think I've talked about, I think I've talked about some of them. I mean, one is, you know, the fact that uh, we, you know, we, with this last building, the fact that, you know, we're, we, you've been on colleges. I mean, to build a, to build a new building when you're trying to teach, you know, and somebody's hammering or somebody's doing something else, it's, you know, and they have to, you have to schedule around that. It gets really complicated to be out of their way and have that get done early. And, and they're being done, I think, three months early and, and on cost has been a nice surprise. Wow. Um, I, the, from a staff perspective, we have three campuses. I didn't say that at the beginning. We have our, our, our large campus in Oregon City, and then we've got two satellite campuses kind of on the north and the south ends of the county. And, you know, if we have a, a, an in-service or a large college meeting, it's pretty hard for those other campuses to, to come. And so early on, I noticed, you know, I'd have a, I'd have a talk or a discussion or a meeting or something like that. And I get 200 or 300 people logging on to zoom. I was like, I would never get that face to face. I might get 30 people, you know, 40 people that can, you know, that walk across the campus. And I was talking to some of our satellite folks and they said, we hope that, you know, once we're all back in person, you still do a, a virtual option because we, we can't come to many of these things, but we can certainly pop on our computers and participate. So that was, uh, that is, you know, the, probably one of the challenges of thinking about post-COVID is, is I think about it is probably everything is going to be hybrid. I don't see us going back to just doing face-to-face entirely. I think we'll have probably some sort of virtual option at just about everything we do because it, it, it's, more, it's more inclusive, you know, for everybody to, to be able to do that. 
so that I think that's been a big positive. And then I mentioned the curriculum one. I think um, I think some of this is what I would call accelerating people thinking about how they offer education. And it's not just again, you know, how do you do online education? It's really more about how do you look at your curriculum and say, you know, some of this would benefit from face to face. Some of this would benefit from from online. And and how do we blend that, or how do we look at that intentionally? And you know, I it's probably a whole other podcast topic, but this this the fact that we still you know see, use seat time and you know and hours and in classes and all the rest to determine how people are learning just still drives me crazy. So to to kind of start thinking about differently and thinking about outcomes and how people are designing their classes, you know, outside of that traditional, oh, you've got to, you know, sit here for how many hours so we can certify that you've learned and all the rest is, um, is pretty exciting. And I, I don't know if that was a surprise so much as, as a positive outcome that I, I like to see the, the conversations happening, happening around that. A good point. Well, Tim, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Dave. I did too. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, that ends today's show. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.